Hi, I'm Dominic Norberg. <laughs> and I'm Duncan McNichol. And you're listening to... Not Exactly Rocket Science. A podcast about trying to swim when you're out of your depth. Today, uh, we're talking uh, over the internet by the magic of, you know, technology to um, a professor at Glasgow University called Lisa McDade, um, who does some sort of social science research. But st- staying true to ourselves, we have only only researched a little bit as to what she does, just to make sure that it kind of fits into the premises of the podcast. And then we purposefully do not do any more research because then people can get to explain what they do themselves. Themselves, exactly. Um, On the basis that them explaining it means that hopefully you can understand it. Certainly, if we can understand it, you can understand it. We don't know what we're doing. Um, But we should probably let her introduce herself. Sure. Okay. So I'm Lisa McDade. Professor of Social Sciences and Health at the the University of Glasgow. Um, I work in the MRC CSO Social and Public Health Sciences Unit, which is part of the Institute of Health and Wellbeing at the University of Glasgow. And really what we focus on is how we can improve health. Um, And we do that by trying to better understand the variety of things that can influence people's health. So quite often when we think about health, we think about illness and and disease um, and the various um, infections that that people can um, catch or or suffer from. But what we're interested in is how um, people are affected by the environments around them, um, the the various social causes of disease. Um, So we know that um, there are vast differences in the experience of disease and the the risks of um, becoming ill when you look at people from different social backgrounds. And we see um, real connection between poverty and ill health. So we're interested in these inequalities, as it were, and how we can develop interventions to try and improve health and reduce these inequalities. Which kind of, uh, which kind of countries are you looking at? Like, uh, like when I hear health and poverty, quite often the association is, I don't know, from the news or from documentaries that we're talking about, um, like lower resource countries. But are you looking at the UK or Europe or what's, what's your field of research then? So our primary focus is within the UK um, and there are still um, really significant health inequalities within the UK. Even if you look at a city like Glasgow, where, where I live, you see really marked differences, for instance, in terms of um, mortality rates and the life expectancy of, of people depending on where they live within the city. So I think there is a lot for us to do and um, a lot to, to learn about um, the, the kind of the impacts of poverty within our own settings. And there was a a report from the UN just last week on the effect of austerity on the UK population and really stark differences in the experiences of people. But obviously, we do look at um, taking our research beyond the UK as well and working in um, the lower and middle income countries, both in terms of trying to understand the health experiences there and develop interventions, but also thinking about what we can learn from approaches that have been developed within those um, resource um, poor contexts and how we can bring them back and apply them in our own settings as well. Do you have any examples for that? 
Um, so one example at the moment, a project that I'm involved in, is that we've, um, colleagues of, of mine here in, in the unit had developed an intervention um, for young people, which is delivered in schools, to try and encourage young people to not take up smoking. So we know that smoking is a significant risk behaviour for a number of um number of health issues later in life. So we developed an intervention that was delivered in schools by young people themselves to try and encourage them um, not to take up smoking. And it was really successful. It was effective. So at the moment, we're looking at how we can develop that in other contexts and in low and middle income countries. But really, to be able to do that, we need to, first of all, find partners in those countries and talk to them, find out about the challenges within their health settings to understand those so that we can adapt um, the intervention that we've used here and the hope it would then be effective in other settings. A lot of the people that we speak to are, are sort of fundamental biologists. Um, so people who look at things by um, isolating uh, particular sets of reactions or, or cells or, or what have you, putting them in a dish um, and experimenting with them. And I'm, obviously you can't possibly research like that. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm just wondering, how does your, how does your research actually work? Okay, so I suppose um, we would think of um, our societies round about us as our laboratories. So the research that we do um, requires us to work directly with, with the public. Um, most of our research will involve, for instance, um, collecting questionnaire data from, from people, doing in-depth interviews with people, actually going out into the communities that we work within, trying to understand the issues as they affect them and delivering interventions within these. So, for example, we do quite a lot of school-based research. And for those, we'll get recruit schools to, to take part in the studies. And we'll go out and uh, meet with the young people within the school, tell them about the studies that we're doing, and then get them to complete either the questionnaires or the qualitative in-depth interviews um, that, that we, we need in order to, to do our kind of science. Okay. So... Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm kind of struck. I've re very recently finished reading um, Poverty Safari by, by Darren McGarvey, um, which is about, you know, uh, poverty in, in Glasgow and, and uh, you know, what can be done about it. And I think, I guess what you're doing is very focused on, on how that impacts um, health, right? Rather than sort yeah. of just trying yeah. to let solve poverty. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so... It, does, does that stem from like an an idea that that we have that poverty will make a difference to these things, or is it based on um, going back and looking at historical data, or like how how did this come about as a, as an avenue of research? So there, there's a long history of, of social science research and particularly in focusing on the, the social determinants of health. I think it's recognising that um, the, the, the poorest and the most marginalised in our societies do um, have poorer outcomes um, and are therefore why we would want to, to focus on those groups. I think um, Poverty Safari is a really excellent book. I, I read it quite recently myself and um, there are some things and ideas within it that I think really strike a chord with the type of work that, that we 
do here in the unit. I think what's really important um, to understand is to think about how um, some of the most marginalised groups in, in our society often don't have a voice. Um, they might not have a seat at the political table, for instance. And actually engaging with communities themselves and finding out what their experiences are and what they think could make a difference is a really important first step in a lot of the research that we do. So we talk about this idea of, of co-production, of trying to work with communities and with marginalised groups to develop the interventions that might help to, to improve health. So we really want the communities that we work with to have a say in the type of research that we do. And we do this kind of engagement work from the very start of our studies. So we don't wait until we've collected the data and then try and talk to communities and say, oh, look, here's what we found. What do you think about it? We try and get them on board from the very start so that they have a say in the type of questions that we ask and the type of interventions that we develop. And I think research that does that is hopefully going to be more likely to have an effect in the longer term. OK, um, so... Again, just just going back to this idea of, of um, how how poverty affects outcomes. I think for me, it seems um, almost uh, stereotypical, and that's not really what, what I mean to say. I think sort of obvious that um, if you uh, if you are from a poor background, then you're going to be I don't know your diet's not going to be as good. You're not going to have the same opportunities for exercise and, and whatnot, um, and so your, your physical health can suffer. But the thing that struck me about about this book was that. Um, he was talking a lot about mental health um, and I just uh, what what's the balance with with your research between sort of physical and mental um, health issues so my um the background of my research and what I've focused on for for most of the the, the last 20 years has been on sexual health and so looking at the um physical health out- outcomes for for people but one of the things that's really struck me over the last probably five years in the research that I'm doing is that we are seeing um, significant issues in relation to mental health. And I think most importantly, what I see in my research is that sexual health and mental health have been um, very much associated and also tied up with issues around substance use, etc., So I think what we need to try and do is is understand how these different health outcomes are actually related to each other, how they cluster, Mm -hmm. as it were, and then how they're affected by the context of people's lives. So coming back to this idea of of poverty, thinking about how this impacts on not just the the experience of physical health outcomes, which are the things that we can see, but also um, the mental health outcomes. And as you say, it's quite striking in Poverty Savari that mental health um, is is a... a key theme within that book and, and a real issue. And I think for me, um, this has been one of the drivers in the last few years in thinking about how the research that I lead has developed to try and encompass um, a better understanding around mental health as, as well. And um, there are things that we don't yet fully understand and um, things that we need to try and, and um, kind of probably investigate further so that we can start to develop interventions um, that are more likely to be effective. One of the issues which um, we've started to look at more recently is the idea of um, the kind of strengths or assets or the resiliencies that people have and that communities have. So how do some people 
resist um, these negative outcomes? How do some people experience poverty but not suffer them from mental health or physical health outcomes? And I think if we can understand that and look at how we might capture some of that, we can start to think about how we can develop interventions that are informed by that. So instead of just focusing on some of the causes, you want to focus on those things that basically um, that might even be more accessible as more accessible to deal with problems. Like when we, when I hear, um, um, I don't know, policies about alleviating poverty and so on, quite, of, quite often to me it sounds like, okay, you're taking away from one end to fix something on another end, and it's like a zero-sum game. Whereas if you tap mm -hmm. into um, a society's strengths or personal strengths, that sounds like a more realistically say untapped source of uh, of a solution i guess yeah yeah no, absolutely and i think um a lot of of the health field and particularly in terms of treatment and, and care focuses on on the problems and understanding the problem and then treating the problem so um you're reflecting again on on the sexual health fields where, where i've done a, a lot of work we focus on the risk behaviors and what means someone is at risk of, of poor sexual health but actually if we kind of step back from that and focus less on those negatives and more on the positives and think about, well, how does someone resist this? And not just someone as an individual, but their community. We're really interested in terms of how um, the, the, the relationships we have with the people around us, our families, our friends, and our broader communities have a significant influence on our health. And how can we understand that better to develop interventions that have a positive impact? So how do you, um, or, or when you're talking about resiliences, Are you talking about individuals or small groups like families or is it like a block or a street that kind of stands out amongst other streets that are way more affected and there's just like this this beacon of seemingly unaffected people in the midst of, um, yeah, an area that's not doing well? So it, there, there are lots of different definitions of resilience. Um, and I think quite often when people hear the, that term, they think about the individual. So they think about how, um, you know, a person is, is resilient. And very often then that does come down to individual behaviors and, and attitudes. But when I think of, of resilience or, or, um, assets and strengths, I'm really thinking at it as being something that operates at multiple levels. So there is something about the individual and the person mm -hmm. and how they cope with the life experiences that they have. But then there's also those immediate um, um, relationships we have with people around about us. So our families and um, our, our friends, so those people who we spend most of our time with. And we draw a lot of strength from those. And so there's um, there is research looking at how the experiences of, you know, in terms of adversity as people grow up can have a negative impact. So again, thinking about, well, what is the positive environment um, that we would want um, young people to grow up in that could impact on, on their health. And then going beyond that, there are um, 
So we draw a lot from the communities in, in which we live, um, but we also draw quite a lot from the, the broader communities that we are part of. So as well as being physically located within a community, we're very often part of, of networks and, and friendship groups that go beyond that. So the digital environment obviously has extended many of our communities beyond the immediate um, physical environment in which we live. Yeah. And all of these have influences on us, some of which are positive and some of which are negative. And so what we're interested in is trying to think about how we can capture and capitalise on those positive influences, learn about what works so that we can develop it and apply it in a way that might help to improve health. And has that already, <coughs> sorry, has that already progressed to a point where you could actually talk about a few like preliminary results? I mean, maybe that's too much lab thinking on my side. Like, yeah, I've you know, you've grown these cells and you've already figured out this, but there's a bit more work to be done. Um, so maybe it's not that easy, but have you already like identified a few things we, that, that you feel make communities more resilient? So um, this is very much research in its infancy for, for me. So, um, you know, to try and think of it in, in terms of a, a kind of uh, lab setting, you know, I'm probably um, still at the kind of proof of concept stage where um, we have these ideas about what we think um, could be useful avenues to take forward. And we've done some preliminary work um, using some quantitative data that we've had where we've been able to show that there is an association between um, this idea of resilience and um, um, lower levels of um what we've been, what we call syndemic ill health. So syndemics is the idea that um, different health outcomes cluster and are then driven by the social context um, in which people live. So it has um, parallels with the kind of comorbidities comorbidities and multimorbidities mm -hmm. research, which looks at the kind of negative experiences of people who have more than one health condition. So with the data that we have um, so far, which has been um, some work that we've done working with gay and bisexual men um, in, the, in the UK and in Canada, we've been able to show that it, um, there is a relationship between greater resilience and lower levels of these clustered health problems. So to that, um, that to me suggests that there could be something there, that there is a potential mechanism of change. There's a potential process by which um, developing resilience and, be, and this resistance um, may have a protective effect. And the next step for us then is really to start to try and test out those ideas. And one of the, the, the things which I think... Um, social science research is, is strong in doing is that um, now having um, these initial findings, we want to go back to communities and talk to people directly about it. So using qualitative research methods to really get an in-depth understanding of how people experience these multiple health outcomes, how it's driven by the context that they live within. And then from that, we'll start to set out our hypothesis, as it were, what do we propose as the theory of change that we would take forward to develop an intervention. So when you say how they experience the, these health outcomes, do you mean like how it's different for someone who is ABC1 with HIV to someone who is C2DE with, with H, HIV? It, like, is that what you're getting at? So 
I think what I, I mean when I talk about that is trying to kind of use qualitative research to understand the lived experience of, of people, um, you know, in the in the context of, of their lives and um, the health conditions that, that they they have. So um, it really varies depending on the, the kind of the actual research project and what um, you're trying to, to identify. But in, in terms of the work that we started to develop around resilience and, and assets, what we want to ask people about is, well, what are the um, the assets in your life? You know, what what do you draw strength from? Who do you draw support from? And trying to understand these things. So um, it's really it's more than about understanding the the the, the condition um, and the you know the their experience of, of that, which is part of it, but it's trying to understand how that sits within their lives and everything else that goes on round about them. Jumping, jumping back a little bit to the to the resilience, uh, I can't take the question. How do you um, how do you separate or how do you get um, the cause right? Like how do you how do you uh, pluck apart causalities and um, like how do you know if someone's resilient because X or someone's X because they are resilient? Like when it comes to being, I don't know, healthier or wealthier or like how do you pluck those things apart yeah um it's really difficult <laughs> to do um and the kind of the idea of looking at the the causality um is a is a whole field in itself <laughs> within social science i think in terms of the the research that i do um it's thinking about the the complexity of people's lives um, and it may not be so much as how A causes B, but if A is related to B, how can we intervene to either improve both or improve one that will lead to the improvement of others? And I think um, that's where we can really benefit from the in-depth qualitative research work that we do alongside the, the quantitative, because it helps us to kind of think through the um, the experiences that, um, that people have and how that can inform the type of in interventions that we develop. And if we simply simply um, looked at kind of more um, just how one um, condition may cause another, we might miss some of the nuance that happens within um, people's lives. And understanding that complexity, I think, is really important too in terms of how we develop interventions that we would hope could improve health. So just, just on the theme of jumping back and forth, um, to go all the way back, um, you, you mentioned... Um, an intervention that can help uh, reduce the incidence of smoking um, because obviously smoking carries with it a lot of, of um, health uh, concerns. Um, like what, what kind of interventions are you talking about? Is it education campaigns? Is it, um, you know, working directly with communities? What kinds of things do you, do you come up with? Um, so, we do lots of different um, types of interventions, some which um, are about raising awareness um, and around trying to change behaviour through that. So using um, different kind of 
um, social marketing um, techniques for that. Others are very much focused on how we can um, work with, with people and, and their peer groups around influencer behaviour. So the smoking intervention that I mentioned, which is called ASSIST, recruited young people in schools. Um, they actually went into schools and they asked young people to nominate who they thought were the, the kind of opinion leaders within their year group. Who would they look up to? and listen to. And the, the, the young people who were nominated and then accepted that role were trained up to try and influence the norms around smoking within the school environment. So to talk to their friends about um, how smoking wasn't cool and wasn't a, a good thing um, to do and influence by influencing that norm and that um, um, expectations that young people have around smoking then ultimately to impact on the uptake of smoking with in those settings and the intervention um, I say was called assist was successful and it did work um, and has been rolled out um, because of that what we are doing at the moment is looking at how we can adapt that model for other health outcomes as well so I'm involved with colleagues here on a study that's looking at developing that as an intervention to improve sexual health um, within the school setting again. So taking that model from assess, taking that um, peer-led approach and recruiting young people um, to talk to their friends about sexual health, but recognising that Perhaps it's easier to talk to your friends about smoking than it is to talk about sex. We've given them the, the opportunity to incorporate a social media component into that, whereby they set up Facebook groups and are able to um, talk to spread messages around sexual health to their friends that way. And that's something that we're just testing out at the moment. If I can change tack entirely, um, I, I'd love to know how you got into this. Like, from... Like, have you been looking at these sorts of things from, you know, PhD level, from postdoc level, from undergraduate level? Like, how did you yeah. end up in this field? Yeah. So I suppose probably from undergrad level, actually, I, I am... My undergrad was in applied social studies and um, I did it at one of the um, newer universities, the post-92 universities, um, but I had the really good fortune to be exposed to um, some amazing teaching staff in that institution who had a real sense of social justice and the fact that there were these inequalities in our society and that was something that we should seek to, to try and, and influence. And I think that really kind of drove me forward to kind of think well actually this could be a field that, that I work within um, and from that I went on to do a, a master's that focused more in the research methods and then um, joined the unit as a research assistant and, and did my PhD while I was here so um, it really you know that desire to um, affect change came very early on and then the work that I've done um, in the time that I've been here and up until now has been really focused on trying to engage with communities, understand the issues that affect um, them and think about how we can use that knowledge to develop better interventions and hopefully improve health. Well, that was an interesting chat. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't quite get the, the time to sum up at the end, um, sadly, but uh, but no, it, it was it was good stuff. Um, so Lisa seems to be researching 
um, the the link between sort of um, poverty and, and and other socioeconomic factors uh, with health outcomes. And frankly, it seems like an inordinately complex field. Um, there's just so many moving parts, so many things to think about. Um, Where do you even get started? I mean, who knows? Um, but seemingly they do it and they, they come up with these interventions. And, and I mean, this assist intervention that, that we talked about a bit, um, I mean, from the sounds of it, it works. It's being rolled out. They're trying to adapt it for other purposes. Um, I mean, it's awesome. It, like it really, it's, it's like science actually in action, um, in terms of, you know, you, you work out what's going on, you work out what you can do about it, you do it, you see what happens. And quite often, I, I think, as a, as a more sort of basic scientist, as like a, a physicist or a chemist, I, I tend to look at social sciences as being a bit woollier, realistically, than, than, the, than the work that I do, because I have much more control over, over my circumstances. And, you, and you're still being kind and calling it woollier, because in other circumstances, uh, other people might call it not a real science yeah unscientific unscientific um, oh you know like how can you really prove that that's really what's going on and so on and so forth and it's nice to hear that people working in that in the in the social sciences are very well aware of that yeah. like it's not that they come up with fancy ideas and it's like yeah uh, we saw this connection these people do that so obviously this is the cause and this is the mm. this is the outcome done like, yeah, there does seem to be a lot of thought a going of, into a it. A lot of thought and a lot of work. If you enjoy the podcast, tell people you enjoy the podcast. You can uh, look at our website, not exactly rocketscience.fm. .fm. You can look at our Twitter if you really want to. It's not that interesting. Um, at exactly rocket. Um, but it'll give you an idea of when new episodes are coming out. But if you really want to know when new episodes are coming out, you should just subscribe in whatever podcast app you use, because then you won't just be notified that they've come out, you'll also have them already. Let's start swimming.